Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Medical motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but I've created the next best thing. My one-on-one coaching program offers all the support and strategies you need to handle all the things that come up for us medical moms. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your free consultation to see how coaching can help you take everything from the podcast to the next level. You'll get free coaching and I'll take great care of you. I'll see you there. Hello, beautiful medical moms. Welcome to episode 35, Emotion Resistance. It's a new week. And before we begin with this new episode, I want to remind you that on January 20th, I'm hosting my last Confidence in Medical Motherhood workshop. I'm going to change things up this year, and I'm not sure if I'll bring it back, um, but it for sure won't be anytime soon. So I want you to get in on the last one of 2022, and there's a link in the episode description as well as on my Instagram, and I am doing my confidence group coaching program. Um, It's going to be launching open soon for people to register and sign up for the program. This is the first time I'm ever offering, I have ever offered a group coaching program. So I am really thrilled to be able to work with a group of incredible people and work on confidence in their lives. You have to be on the wait list to be the first to hear about it though. And so I want you to get on the wait list. And if you are on the wait list and sign up through the wait list, you get a very special bonus offer. So there's also a link to the wait list in the episode description as well. So those are the things you need to know. And now let's talk about emotion resistance. I see this all the time amongst medical moms and medical parents in general in the context of future emotions. I get lots of messages from newly diagnosed moms or moms who are facing a big procedure or surgery and they say something like, I'm so afraid of what I will feel that day. Or it sounds like I'm really dreading that day. Or perhaps it's, I don't want to see them like that after surgery. On the surface, these don't sound problematic, but I want to share with you why they can be adding to your pain in all of the things that you're already processing. The future experiences you are going to have with your child will have some level of negative emotion. This is guaranteed. This is a guaranteed part of medical motherhood and it's a guaranteed part of life. This is normal and there is appropriate levels of sadness and fear and nervousness you are supposed to experience in life. This part of life This part of medical motherhood is the clean pain that exists because you're human and because you love another little human. This part is the healthy, normal part of your brain that experiences negative emotion. This part is supposed to be there. This negative emotion is just that 50% of life where you experience it because you are a living, breathing human being. And then there is the fear and judgment 
of that normality, of that experience of sadness, of that experience of disappointment, where we fear an emotion so much and we judge ourselves for feeling the emotion that it creates a bigger, more intense experience. Because when we fear an emotion, it makes it bigger. When we resist an emotion, it shoves it down, but it does not get rid of it. And we spend a lot of time worrying about that emotion. We spend a lot of time trying to find ways to avoid feeling that emotion, both in the future and in the present. You might be eating excessively, shopping more often, drinking more alcohol than normal, using social media or TV to avoid feeling anything at all. This is called buffering or numbing, right? You're buffering an emotion out so that it's a little bit toned down so you can ignore it a little bit longer, so you can kind of shove it away. Little amounts of buffering aren't the problem. Every one of us buffers a little bit, but when you use it so often as your only means of feeling better, you're not helping yourself in the long term. The fear you try to avoid causes you to be afraid right now. And you're so afraid of feeling future pain that you put yourself through hell right now in the present. And you're so afraid of having your joy taken away in the future that you create anxiousness and sadness in the present, which takes away your joy now. You experience sadness and anxiety and dread all the way up to the event and then even more on the day of the procedure or surgery. Fearing the future emotions of an appointment, surgery, or procedure actually creates more of the feelings that you're trying to avoid, that you're afraid of feeling. And then another aspect of this whole experience as a medical mom is the judgment you have towards yourself for feeling the negative emotions in the first place. Um, so again, there's this normal base of emotions. Then there's that fear of the emotions, that dread of the emotions, that resistance to the emotion. And then on top of that, there's the judgment that you're human, that you have the, the sadness, that you have the disappointment. So not only are you judging yourself for feeling disappointed, but you're also afraid of feeling disappointed. So you're just layering all these emotions on top of one another, adding to your emotional overload. For some reason, every medical mom I talk to believes they shouldn't feel the way they do. They shouldn't feel nervous. They shouldn't feel sad or scared or frustrated or annoyed. And when I ask, well, then how should you feel? They suggest things like happy, content, accepting without reacting, feeling like, like feeling like they can just um, be neutral and not have any kind of up and down emotion when there's something that changes in their circumstance. This is really interesting because this kind of judgment adds more so you have that judgment you shouldn't feel this way then we up it by saying you should feel this different way like happy or more grateful and that self-judgment is draining it's exhausting that means you're adding to your already overloaded brain 
you're already at, you're already feeling so many different emotions. And then when you judge yourself for feeling those emotions, you add to that emotional overload, add to your um, physical exhaustion. So what if you were truly allowed to feel however you want? What if there was no right way to feel after or before an echo or before a surgery or before a regular old checkup, right? I hear this a lot, especially if your child is maybe more on the stable side and a parent is like, I should be grateful. I should be fine. I should be telling myself all these things. And I say, no, what if you're just allowed to feel nervous, even if this is not a highly critical appointment? What if your feelings can come and go as they please, and it's not a problem? Because truthfully, you're going to feel a multitude of feelings before and after appointment. So when your nerves come up, when you start feeling anxious, when you start having some anticipation for an upcoming appointment or procedure, you can acknowledge those feelings. You feel them. You allow them to be there as long as they need to be. Name them, describe them, allow them. Name them, describe them, embrace them, right? That's it. We don't want to resist the emotion. Here is also the truth. You create your feelings with how you're thinking. So if you're thinking thoughts like, I'm not going to be happy, able to handle this next surgery. Everything is too much. I'm dreading every single thing that is going to happen over the next six months. All of those thoughts create resistance, dread, self-doubt, and fear. It's an important part of the process to acknowledge your feelings and also check in on your brain to see what you're letting yourself believe. Because none of those, those thoughts are particularly helpful, nor are they true. Just because you think something does not make it a fact. It doesn't make it true, right? Sometimes we think our brains are just these like impartial observational machines that we can just know the truth from what we see and what we experience. And while your experiences are valid, it doesn't make it true in the sense that thinking the thought, I'm not going to be able to handle the next surgery, doesn't make it true. So in order to feel better, you have to do both. You have to allow any feeling that comes up while simultaneously taking responsibility for your thoughts and for your emotions. You hold space for your current feelings. You process those through and you check in on your thoughts. You pay attention to the ones that are not helpful, that are the most painful, the ones that are causing you the most self-doubt, the ones that are causing you um, to bully yourself and to feel beaten up. Oftentimes I will ask my clients, how do you want to feel about this situation? How do you want to feel about this upcoming appointment? And sometimes we'll, they'll say like, well, I, I should be less overwhelmed. I want to feel less anxious. And I'll say again, okay, so if there isn't any right way to feel in this scenario, if there isn't the thought I'm supposed to feel a certain way, how would you want to feel? And normally it's a variation of peace, 
being present, confident, or capable. And those are helpful emotions to take with you into a situation where you might also feel some fear and some anxiety and some anticipation. And I want you guys to consider that it can be both, right? It's not an either or, but you have to be willing to allow some fear to exist, some anxiousness to be there in order to make space for presence and for confidence and for peace. Because if we're only trying to avoid negative emotion, it also dampens our ability to feel positive emotions. If we start trying to snuff out negative emotions, it doesn't make the positive emotions better. The more closely we are connected with our bodies and how they experience emotion, the more we are able to experience all emotions. The better we get at feeling negative emotion, the better we are at feeling positive emotion. Because on the flip side, what happens is we can't even really experience fully joy or happiness or gratitude because we haven't taught ourselves how to feel emotions in the first place. That's why it's so important to be connected to our bodies, to notice how our emotions are impacting our brains and how we feel. And if you know what emotion you want to feel, right? So if you wanted to feel peace or confidence, the next question to ask yourself is what thoughts do I need to believe to get me there? Some thoughts for me personally that I use to help create peace for me are I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing my part of the process. I really believe that the best thing I can do is show up and control what I can control and not waste my time worrying about the uncontrollables because it's not worth my energy, right? And these two thoughts I are helpful for me and they create peace for me because I actually believe them. And for a while I didn't. I didn't believe that I was doing my best I can because part of me believed doing my best meant uh, controlling every single thing perfectly. Doing my best was equivalent to perfection. And I had to unpack what perfection meant and how unachievable my goals for myself were. I had to be willing to allow imperfection and to allow some self-acceptance and compassion for myself. So now I really do believe that I'm doing my the best I can because I believe that my best can vary from day to day depending on my circumstances and the situations I'm in. I believe that my part of the process is the things I can do with Zola at home and the other people in par- part of the process, like her doctors, are also doing their part. And together we can take care of her. But it's not going to be just me and it's not going to be just the doctors. But it's us doing our parts together. And that's why those thoughts create peace for me. The thoughts that help me create being present and focusing on the things in front of me are thoughts about the short term. Uh, Too often when we're trying to figure out everything, it's when we are like trying to solve problems that don't exist yet. Trying to solve a scenario six months from now. 
what if there's a complication and we're back in the hospital and this and that and that and that. And when I want to be present, it requires me to face the future. I'm not face the future, face the present. I cannot be present if I'm stuck in the future in my brain. So here are some thoughts I use to keep myself present. The next few days are all we have to figure out. This one I love when I'm in the hospital with Zola. Any procedure, any hospital stay, I've always used this to remain present and grounded because that is the truth for me in those moments. I don't need to figure out next week. I don't need to figure out next month. I just need to focus on the next few days. What needs to happen in the next few days, right? Maybe that does mean sending an email to someone and saying, hey, I'm going to be out of work for the next week. Maybe it does include some long-term planning, but I don't have to fix everything for the long term. I just need to figure out the next few days. And going along with that, another thought I love is I will figure out a plan for the future. For now, I will focus on today, right? I just like to remind myself that I am going to figure out the future, that we will figure out a plan and have more concrete steps. But for now, the focus is on today. And sometimes I use this to give myself a break from planning, right? As a medical mom, you're making decisions all the time. You're trying to coordinate appointments and medications and insurance and, you know, plan for physical therapies and all of these things. And sometimes you just need to be present in today. And I will say, I'm going to figure out all these missing pieces, all these moving parts. But for now, I'm going to focus on today so I don't have to constantly be using my mental energy to figure out every part of the future because it's not really even possible. Thoughts that help me create confidence are thoughts like I can do hard things and discomfort doesn't stop me from doing hard things or doing things in general, right? Anything. Discomfort doesn't stop me from doing things. Like making a phone call isn't necessarily something I would describe as hard Like logically, I know that picking up my phone and finding a phone number isn't hard, but sometimes my brain wants to convince me it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I have given birth three times. (laughs) And yet my brain wants to say, no, this, this phone call is the worst, right? When I need to reschedule something or talk to insurance or talk to somebody I've never talked to before, my brain wants to give me all these thoughts that create a lot of self doubt. But I go back to very simple thoughts about my abilities. I can do hard things, even if it is a phone call, even when it's simple, even when I've done harder things in my mind. And discomfort doesn't stop me from doing those things. Because really, that's all it is, is the feeling of discomfort, of uncomfortable conversations, uncomfortable wait times, right? All of that is a sensation in my body and you can feel that discomfort and do the thing anyway. Thoughts that help me feel capable are, I can handle whatever comes next. I'm safe to feel all emotions that come up from this experience. These are some of my very favorite thoughts, especially in the last few months as we navigated Zola's open heart surgery. I would tell myself this practically every day. I can handle whatever comes next. 
whatever complication, whatever setback, whatever appointment switch, whatever annoyance and inconvenience, I can handle whatever comes next. Because I am safe to feel all emotions that come up through these experiences. And these two thoughts are so helpful for me. They create not only capability, but also more confidence and safety for myself, right? So that even when I'm stressed, I know I'm allowed to be stressed. Even when I'm annoyed that I've been on hold or the person on the phone was rude to me, I can feel that way and I know how to take care of myself because I've practiced and practiced feeling my emotions and I've practiced intentionally believing these thoughts so that they are not just foreign positive mantras that I try to like convince myself of, right? These are not just like positive affirmations that I try to repeat to myself. These are actual truths in my life because I believe them. And these help me create my experience while I go through challenging situations with my daughter. And the less you resist your current feelings, the less you dread the future feelings that you are going to experience, the more capable you become in feeling your feelings and creating a better experience for yourself. And that includes ditching the self-judgment. Okay, so many people tell me they feel guilty for feeling the way they do. And I don't understand why that's tolerated amongst anybody. There's some kind of badge of honor that we've decided goes to people who can pretend they don't feel negative emotion. Oh, that never stresses me out. Oh, that's not a big deal, right? Like we think that's the answer. We think that's the response we're supposed to have. Instead, you should be allowed to feel any emotion for no reason at all, right? Sorry, I'm so emotional. Get that sentence out of your vocabulary. That is a socialized, damaging belief taught to women from like the time they're born that we are emotional people and we're so out of control. You're allowed to be emotional, right? You're allowed to feel any emotion without guilt or embarrassment. And a good way to practice this is notice when you're watching TV or a movie and something emotional happens, and you start to feel emotional, but then want to stop yourself from feeling that way. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I will get really self-conscious when I'm feeling emotional, especially for like a child's movie or something. And when I watch the ending scene in Moana, where she walks to Tafiti, I always get emotional in that part. And for a long time, I would like clamp up and force myself not to cry because I thought, this isn't something to cry about. Who was told that growing up? I was told that all the time because I cried a lot. And then I would be told this isn't something to cry about. And I started crying in the movie theater when we watched Encanto. Uh, Sorry for my poor pronunciation. (laughs) Um, And I had the thought, the same thought occurred to me, like, this is something to cry about. And this isn't something you should get emotional about. You're an adult. Why are you crying over a kid's movie? I was like starting to get embarrassed and like self-conscious of me crying. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm resisting an emotion. 
I'm for some reason placing this rule on myself that I should be an, a non-emotional person, that somehow an adult, being an adult is equivalent to not having emotions or not, you know, crying in a movie theater to a child's movie. Like, what rule is that? Who decided that? Somewhere along the line, I, I adopted that rule. Someone taught it to me or I, you know, received it indirectly, but I took on some social cues that said crying in a movie theater is embarrassing and if you're going to do that, you're like less valuable as a person, you're less put together, don't be a hot mess. But now I actually try to notice when my brain wants to convince me not to feel emotional about something, especially if it's in this like low pressure situation, low stake situation. Um, I actually try to use those moments watching TV or watching movies and allow myself to feel it to allow myself to watch the movie and now every time my kids have been watching Encanto nonstop, <laughs> and Zola's favorite movie right now um, every time that movie comes on and I see the scenes that make me cry I practice letting myself feel that without judgment right and the thoughts are still there when I say without judgment it doesn't like mean I'm just like turning off my brain I'm like turning off the ability to judge myself the thoughts come right like oh you shouldn't do this what is Jeff going to think of you what what are you going to say to your kids when they see you crying right like all these like self-conscious thoughts and I just notice them and I still let myself not resist the emotion and I'm like yeah I'm allowed to feel this I don't have to have any reason to cry over a kid's movie. I don't have to justify feeling the way I do. I'm seeing a scene that is eliciting an emotion in my body and it's allowed to be there. And what happens is that it creates this layering effect, right? This is why it's important to not resist your emotions in this this capacity because it creates more emotional load for you to carry you feel sad about an upcoming appointment. You notice you're feeling sad, so then you get mad at yourself for feeling sad because you might believe you shouldn't feel sad. You should feel grateful because your child's health is considerably stable right now and that you have, quote, no reasons to be sad. So now you're feeling sadness that's been trying to be shoved away and you're feeling guilt or maybe shame from your self-judgment and you're feeling judged because you're judging yourself and then you might feel overwhelmed because of all those emotions so you might think it's because of the appointment you might think that all of these emotions are are being caused from the upcoming appointment you're like I'm just so overwhelmed because this appointment you might be snapping at your husband or just maybe really anxious at work maybe you're trying to keep yourself busy and watching a lot of tv or scrolling social media but none of that is coming from the appointment it is coming from your belief that you shouldn't feel that way and so it's not helpful for you not only to prepare for the appointment but it just doesn't feel good in general. And to avoid the layering effect of all of this, you can allow yourself to just feel sad without indulging in those thoughts about judging yourself. And then maybe when you're ready, you can ask yourself, how do you want to feel about this upcoming appointment? 
And maybe you just actually want to feel sad, okay? Because it's okay to feel sad sometimes about things. Um, this, when recently Zola had, uh, was supposed to have a cardiologist appointment and, um, my brain really wanted to make it this big deal. My brain, well, first it was going to be scheduled, um, at this certain time and then it got rescheduled. It's been rescheduled probably like four or five times because of scheduling conflicts. The doctor's schedule, my schedule, Jeff's schedule, like it just kept getting switched around. And the first two times my brain was like, okay, this is part of it, whatever, like la-di-da, we're not going to make a big deal, right? That's the practice that I've been able to handle. So my tolerance for this like discomfort of um, rescheduling has been widened. And so the second reschedule, not a big deal, wasn't a problem. Then the third reschedule, I felt myself getting a little annoyed. And then the fourth reschedule, my brain wanted to panic. My brain wanted to freak out. My brain was like, okay, the first reschedules were fine, but now this is where your child is going to go undetected with some problem. This is where your brain, uh, my brain wanted to freak out and make it a big deal. And instead, I just allowed myself to feel the worry, to feel the anxiousness and the discomfort of the plan, my expectations not going according to plan right? The expectation that I had that I had set up the appointment at a specific time, that there were uncontrollable variables outside of what I could control. And what I can control are when I go to the appointment, the questions I ask over the phone, pushing for as many different options as possible, and my own management of my feelings, which meant I don't have to indulge in all of that worry. I don't have to um, take the time to consider my worry as like valid because it's not helpful for me. It's not helpful in this scenario to just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep worrying and worrying and worrying. I know that my child is being taken care of and I know that she's stable and healthy and being able to not judge myself and not judge my emotions for feeling that way, I did not, at first, my brain wanted to, right? My first, my thoughts were, oh my gosh, why am I worrying about this? This is not even a big deal. The doctor said it was fine. Like the doctor's been involved in this whole process. He wouldn't have pushed her appointment back this many times if he thought he was, if she was unstable. Um, but then I caught that too, right? It's about catching those judgments, even when they're sneaky, even when they're like, trying to reprimand me for worrying. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to get into all that self-judgment. I'm just going to let myself feel a little bit worried and soothe myself, right? Take care of myself, not judge myself for having feelings. And there's a difference. There's a difference between having compassion and self-acceptance versus telling yourself that you shouldn't feel a certain way. And that line is so sneaky. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel so worried. Everything's fine. But all that's doing is shoving emotion away, resisting the emotions that I'm currently feeling. Because emotions are not better than one another. The less you resist sadness, the less you make sadness a problem. We too often place happiness on a pedestal. The too often we 
make happiness like the ultimate goal when in reality happiness is not going to be this attainable moment in time it's not like we're just going to get to a point in our lives where everything is sorted everything is easy and everything is happy that fantasy does not exist and I am not sorry to be the one to tell you that because the sooner you accept that reality the more happiness is actually available to you because you stop fantasizing things about the future and you start accepting the things about your current reality when we over romanticize positive emotion, we resist our current emotions and we make our emotions a problem. We make ourselves a problem like we're some flawed person and we're the only ones experiencing things this way, which none of that is supposed to be is none of that is true. And these, these emotions, your feelings are not a problem. And sometimes when I say this, people take it as like permissiveness. Well, that means I can just, you know, act the way I want to and like everything, like my, my emotional state doesn't matter. Or they'll be like, but you don't understand, like this sucks. These feelings are terrible. And I'm like, no, I get it. I understand what it feels like to be so overwhelmed that you feel like you're drowning and that you're all alone and no one gets it. And you feel so stuck and overwhelmed and you don't know how you're going to stop feeling terrible. And it sounds backwards. It really does. But it works. I promise you that when you allow both negative emotion and positive emotion to exist in your brain and in your body without judgment, it doesn't become as big in your life. It doesn't mean it's fun. It doesn't mean it's exciting to feel sadness. It doesn't mean like I'm saying that it's like a rodeo and then you're like, oh yeah, this is just the time of the show where we get to feel sad. I'm just saying that you don't think that you shouldn't feel sad, that you are not judging yourself for feeling the way you're feeling, that you don't resist feeling certain emotions. Because some things in life are supposed to feel sad. Some things in life are not supposed to be happy. And you are allowed to feel all your emotions. So this week, I'd love for you to consider where you're resisting emotions. Maybe it's in self-judgment. Maybe it's in your desire to avoid feeling a feeling. Consider those places and watch your brain. Watch the thoughts that come up around them. I am always cheering you all on. And if you ever have questions about this episode or any episode, send me a DM on Instagram and I'm happy to chat with you. All right. I will be back next week. Bye-bye. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Medical motherhood doesn't come with a manual, but I've created the next best thing. My one-on-one coaching program offers all the support and strategies you need to handle all the things that come up for us medical moms. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your free consultation to see how coaching can help you take everything from the podcast to the next level. You'll get free coaching and I'll take great care of you. I'll see you there.